Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. God is good. All the time, he's good. Let's pray, church. Father, we are so blessed because we have been redeemed by the precious blood of Jesus because we repented of our sins and called out to you and you made us a new creature and we're no longer the same Lord we're not even close thank you Jesus your word is very clear Paul told the Corinthian church he said he said that you have become a new creature the old things are passed away all that decrepit sin and lust and and judgment and shame Lord you are no longer the same have any man be in Christ he's a new creature those old things have passed away they're dead and it's no longer I who live but it's Christ who lives in me thank you Jesus I couldn't do it I tried 27 years to do it and I couldn't do it until you came into my life at 27 years old what a blessed God and Savior you are. We were lost and you found us. We were dead in our sins and you redeemed us. And you forgave us and you justified us and put the robe of righteousness of Jesus Christ upon us because we repented. We became new creatures. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Our hearts can't express the greatness of who you are. We do so with the best of our ability, but it's not good enough because you deserve so much more. I love you, Lord. We love you, Lord, with all of our heart. Let us hear what your Holy Spirit has to say to us today. And Lord, what good is hearing if we don't apply? So help us to apply, Lord, all those over the internet, all those here today. Help us to apply it to our life. That you might make us that man, that woman, that child of God that you want us to be. The wife that you longed for. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Thank you, Father. You're holy and just and loving and kind. And we love you. We bless your holy name today. Amen. Amen. You may be seated, church. Okay. How many of you heard last week's message on on uh, Sunday. Nobody. Oh my! I should just do it over, huh? <laughs> now we're gonna over. We are going to look at that again, but we're not gonna go into the detail I went into last week. But I am going to. This is like at least an eight-week study that we're gonna be doing, okay? And sometimes you have to review because people forget what that last message was. I've done this before, only I've changed it around. Uh, exceptionally you might know it as the book that I've been writing for eight years or nine years uh, called about face okay only I took it a little bit further I moved it so much not well we're soldiers of Christ but I moved it out of the soldier area a little bit and 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 proclaimed it as Christians we are soldiers 
Turn to 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3 and 4. Suffer hardship with me. This is the Apostle Paul talking. Suffer hardship with me as a good soldier. What? Did you forget you're a soldier? Did we forget we're soldiers? Onward, Christian soldier, marching out to war. We forget because we don't look like we're in war anymore. And the war of all ages is raging around us. And we don't even see it half the time. The real war of all ages, you can read it in Daniel chapter 7. Finally, after the horn makes its boasts against God, God, the Ancient of Days, sits on a throne and he says, I rule in favor of the saints. And it's now time for the saints to possess the kingdom. Well, we haven't been doing a good job about that. And we got some things to learn. Suffer hardship with me as a good soldier of Christ. No soldier that's in active duty entangles himself in the affairs of this life so that he may please the one who enlisted him as a soldier. In other words, cut out the gossip, the junk that should, shouldn't even be in the church. You're at war. You don't entangle yourself in that kind of stuff. You are at war. Remember, I told you last week, the war of all ages rages. We're at war, and we come to church, sit in a fancy pew and uh, nice padded seats, and if the church would take them away, you'd go some other church. Someday we might be without seats. You might be underground, the way things could look here shortly. You don't get entangled in the affairs of this world. You know why? It says here, because you want to please the one who enlisted you as a soldier. And you know who that is, right? The captain of the armies of the host of the Lord. He met Joshua at Jericho. He met him also down the road. He said, who are you? And the Lord, he said, I'm the captain of the host of the army of the Lord. And the Lord said, take off your sandals for this is holy ground. Well, Jesus enlisted you as a soldier. It wasn't Joseph Smith down the street. It wasn't even the president of the United States. It was Jesus Christ, the king of kings, the creator of all the universe, the sanctifier, the redeemer, the justifier, him. He enlisted us as a soldier in the army of God. You are a warrior. Have you done any fighting lately? The first part of this chapter was called about face. You know what about face means in the army? It means turn around and go the other direction which is what we know today as repentance, which I touch on almost every week, twice a week. Repentance is necessary. It's time for you about face, soldier. You might have got saved when you were 10 years old. It's time for you to get about face because you've been entangled in this world. 
We need to get away from the entanglement of this world. We sang a song about the chains being broken. And you are free. You are free. God wants you. He's called all of mankind because he loved the whole world that he gave his only begotten son. The whole world means this people over the generations that have passed and the generations here and the generations to come. It's time for you to about face. Last week we turned to James chapter 5 and the last two verses, and I want to read them to you. This is important for the church because you lost your fire. You lost your vigor. You forgot you were a soldier. It says in verse 19 of chapter 5 of James, My brethren, if anyone among you strays from the truth, if you strayed from the truth as a Christian, it's time to come back. You need to repent. Maybe you never did repent. Maybe you never did that about face. It's time for you to repent. And come back to the Lord. My brethren, if any of you strays from the truth, who's the truth? Jesus Christ. And one turns him back to Jesus Christ. Let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his way will save his soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. Whoa. Where is the church on this repentance issue? How many of you have really done an about face? Or did you make an emotional commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ and all the hype was going on at the last crusade that you went to? And then as soon as you walked out of there, you lasted for about a week or two, and then down you go. God doesn't want your emotions. He wants your heart. For everyone over the Internet, He wants your heart. I look out over this congregation, I see people that love Jesus with all their heart. I remember that day when I did an about face. The Holy Spirit fell upon me and, and revealed to me. There was a revelation that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he just zipped through my body and all of a sudden I'm standing there with this one guy witnessing to me, this Christian man. Okay, and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit fell on me and, and whizzed right into my heart. Jesus Christ is the Lord. And I about fell over. The revelation came. But you know what? I didn't do anything right away that day. I didn't receive him or repent. I just knew that he was the Lord because the Holy Spirit enlightened me. Then there came that day of confrontation when I had a dream. And in this dream, I'm standing in my backyard at the house in Pennsylvania where I lived. And I had a little sign shop behind me at a detached garage. And I'm standing there in this place. And I was witnessing to my dad the day before about Jesus, trying to get him saved first, you know, so that I could just follow along. But dad didn't respond. Everybody laughed at me. But that very particular night, I got so blasted, I couldn't even, I slept on the bench out in the, in the yard. The next night, sober, I had a dream. And in that dream, I was standing in the same place where me and my dad, where I was trying to lead him to Christ. And I looked over this side of the house, and I saw a figure standing there, could no other, none other be, nothing, no other than the Lord Jesus Christ. I didn't see his face. I saw the way he was dressed. I knew who he was. 
I looked over this side of the house, and I thought, I'm going to run away. And there he is over there. I looked back, and he's back over here. I looked back, and he's back over there. And I took off and did an about face and ran about to the, the garage in the back. And I about to turn the corner to the right, and I woke up. And the Holy Spirit says to me, and who do you think would have been around that corner? And I'll tell you, that morning I went to work. I told the fellows at work, the Christians that I knew, what happened. And they said, what are you going to do about it? And I surrendered my life right there, June 25th, 1977. I was confronted by the Lord himself. He hounded me like the hound of heaven that, that he's said to be by a great poet. I had a confrontation. I had a revelation and a confrontation with the Lord. And then I acknowledged him as my Lord and Savior, and my life changed. I was an alcoholic. I was foul-mouthed. I read dirty magazines. I took the Lord's name in vain too many times. Uh, boy, I'll tell you what, I changed like that. The cigarettes went, the drugs went, the alcohol took a little while, but they went. My chains were broken a few years later. And I became a different creature. And God saved my soul that day. And I was born again into a family that knew nothing about God. We were Roman Catholic, Italian Roman Catholic. My whole mom and dad wanted to reject me, my sisters, my family. I couldn't, I had to stand against them. I had a revelation of who Jesus Christ was. No longer was he a man dead on a cross, but he was a risen Savior from an empty tomb. And I knew it with all of my heart. And here it is 43 plus years later, and I still know it with all of my heart. Because I, re I had a revelation. I was confronted. I acknowledged that confronting by admitting that I was a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. That I became a disciple of his, and I was on my way through repentance and into salvation. And I confessed before man. So listen to these points. Confrontation. Revelation, acknowledgement, and confession. I confessed my sins. I said, Lord, like I said even this morning, Lord, I'm a sinful man. You should go away from me, just like Peter said. But the Lord says, no, I love you too much. I ain't going away from you. There's no other to way to heaven there's no other to way to face except faith, except through repentance. There's no other way to faith in God except through repentance. If you don't repent, you will likewise perish. You know what? That's Scripture. That's Luke 13, 3 and 13, 5. Listen, if you don't repent, you will likewise perish. Jesus said that right out of his own lips. If you've been in a church and you have not repented, it's time to get to this altar before the service is over and do it. Or if you're out there over the Internet and you never did that before and repent of your sin and turn the other direction and do about face, do an 180-degree turn like you would in the Army 
and say, I no longer am going to do this. And the Holy Spirit will help you. And you will be well on your way to repentance. And you could say with Paul, I am a new creature in Christ. The old things are passed away. The old things become new. I'll tell you what. I heard a preacher this week. He said, he said, if you repent, you will meet we will meet Jesus as your Savior. If you repent, you will meet Jesus as your Savior. If you do not repent, you will meet Jesus as your judge. Wow. You better do it now. It's too late after you're gone from this place. It's time to repent. That's what we saw in last week. We went through Second Chronicles, Second Kings, Second Chronicles 34, Second Kings 23. We talked about King Josiah who found the letter of the law in the temple. He was eight years old. And a little child led an entire nation back to the Lord God Almighty. Because he started reading a little book, and he starts finding out the way things are supposed to have been. And he, start, he started walking in the ways of his father David. And he, and he burned all the bones of the priests on the altars of uh, the false prophets, on the altars of the false gods. He cleaned him up. He busted him down. He smashed him to powder. And he threw him on the graves of those false prophets. He took away the high places. You know what? You know how many Christians look at horoscopes? Now be ashamed of yourself. Every time you do that, you open a door to the devil. Why would you look at a horoscope or a star when you could go to the creator of the stars? Mankind. Today, worship stars and crystals. What can a crystal do for you? Give me your crystal. I'll smash into a hammer for you. Because it ain't going to do nothing for you. But Jesus said, after I'm gone, you'll no longer ask me anything. You'll ask the Father in my name. So you go to the Father in Jesus' name not to the stars or the crystals or whatever else you might have. You open up doors to demonic forces, church, and we wonder why the church looks just like the world. Josiah was eight years old. By the time he was 16, he tore all these things down. He didn't listen to his teenage peers. He listened to the Lord God's word, and he did it. And he tore down those altars. And he, he did it. He went with his men. The way it's written in the first person in 2 Kings 23 and 2 Chronicles 34. Listen, he went with his soldiers. And he was part of it. He didn't just say, give an order, and they all went out. He went with them. He wanted to make sure it was done. And there says in the Scripture, there was no king like him Except his father David. A 16 year old. Isaiah 11, I think it's verse 5, says a little child will lead them. There's a little eight year old child leading an entire nation, and the entire nation turned to God. And by the way, Josiah was the last good king because all the other ones after him just tore everything down again. And it was the same old cycle. God has mercy. Children of Israel repent. 
children of Israel go back to sin. It's the same thing in, like in the book of Judges. It's a big circle. They're chasing their tail. It's time for you to quit chasing your tail. There's no more circles. Repent and go the other way. About face, soldier of Christ. About face. This is just a review. It was just seen last week. He had Josiah. He was absolutely committed to the Lord. Are you? Am I? He was, he had absolute dedication to Jehovah, the living God. He had absolute confession that God is God. He had absolute conviction that Jesus is the, well, that the God of Israel was God. He read the scriptures. He tore his clothes. He wept. And he humbled himself before the Lord. Have you done that? Have you done that? I cried for months after I got saved because my family hated me. Everybody was going to leave me. But God gave me a verse, a rhema word. And you know it. And I wouldn't accept just that you claim this first unless it was a rhema word given to you for your particular situation. And here it is, Acts 16.31. You want to know my life's first? That's it. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved and your household. Believe. And you know what? God did it. My dad took 18 years, but God did it. He was absolutely committed when he found that scroll. He was tender-hearted, humbled himself, tore his clothes. He wept. He heard what the Scripture was saying. And Isaiah 66, 2 says this. God's talking through Isaiah. He says, to this one I will look. He who is humble, contrite of spirit, and trembles at my word. Do you tremble at God's word? Or do you, re- you speed read it and say, oh, man, i got to get through this today because I got, I'm on a year Bible plan. I want you to read your Bible through, but study it. Show yourself approved. He was absolute. He entered the, the whole kingdom in a, into a, a, a revival. A revival. There was no Passover like the Passover that he had. He restored the Passover. Amazing what he did. He was utterly surrendered to the Lord. Are you? Am I? I'm talking to myself in this too. The message is always for the preacher first, just so you know that, church. Absolute surrender. Here's what it says. There was no king like Josiah who turned to the Lord about face with all his heart and with all his soul and with all his might. Second Kings 23. Wow. Here's Josiah's legacy. Is it my legacy? Is it your legacy? He was wholly committed. He was completely cleansed because he was tender-hearted, humbled himself, tore his clothes, and wept. He was totally devoted. He was not lukewarm. 
We know what lukewarm is. It's putrid to Jesus. He says, I'll vomit you out of my mouth if you're lukewarm. I want you to be hot or cold. Make a decision. So if you're a halfway Christian, you've got one feet in the foot in the world and one seat in the feet in the kingdom, you better get both feet in the kingdom or the other one will push you over the edge. There's no doubt about it. Are you getting convicted? Good. Am I getting convicted? Good. Believe me, we're all sinners. All of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of us have turned to his own way. But the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him. About face means a separated life. I had no friends in the beginning couple years of my life. I had to get rid of my best friend who was a drunk and a pervert. And I loved him with all my heart. I worked with him. And we have wished this to him every day. It finally came to the point, I can't be friends with a Jesus freak. And they're separated. Until one day, the Lord woke me up in a dream and told me that his wife was about to cheat on him. And I called his wife up and I said, tell me you're not going to do that. She says, what? I said, what you have planned with that man. How did you know that? I said, because God told me, I suggest you back off. As far as I know, she did, but I didn't know they got divorced years later. About face, church, you have a separated life. You're no longer your own. You were bought with a price. It's no longer you who live. It's Christ that lives in you. Jesus wants you. It's not Uncle Sam anymore. Jesus, replace Uncle Sam with Jesus. And he says, I want you. I don't care if you're black, yellow, green, purple, red. I don't care if you're Chinese, Hindu, Japanese, Italian, Puerto Rican, Cuban. I don't care. I want your heart. God doesn't look on the outward appearance. He looks on the heart, as you well know. But the choice is yours, people. You can take that about face and repent, or you can just go on the way you are. And as the years pass, you'll just be one day closer to the end of all things, to your end. You spend a lifetime preparing for your career. You don't even give thought to your future, your eternal future. We need to. The church itself has slipped back on that. They've become lukewarm. They're supposed to be red hot and on fire for Jesus. The churches that are preaching the true gospel are usually small. Not that there's not Christians in the other churches, and there are. I'm sure there's many. But God doesn't want you to be lukewarm. He wants you to be fired up. He wants you to be fired up. I mentioned last week, and I'm going to do it here again. There's this man named William Booth. You ever hear of William Booth? He's the, he was the uh, founder of the Salvation Army. I love the Salvation Army. Freedom Church supports them. Here's what William Booth said. Take heed of the fire in your own hearts. Church, take heed of the fire in your own hearts. For the tendency of fire is to go out. You might be all fired out at the last concert you went to, but it has a tendency to go out. Unless, he said, You do three things. 
Number one, open up the draft. The oxygen has to get in. Remember Jesus in Revelation chapter 2 and 3, he walking among the lampstands? Guess what he was doing? The wind of the Holy Spirit behind him or the wind that just passed by just illuminated those flames. Those little flickers in that, in that candelabra just probably popped into flames. The oxygen is the Holy Spirit. He's the air you breathe. Number two, you have to clear out the ashes. Repent. Repent. Clear out the ashes, church. Repent of your sin and transgressions and iniquity and anything else you can find. Clear out the ashes. You know, eventually, the ashes will put out the fire for you. You know that, right? You have to clear the ashes out. What do you think the priests did in the temple? They cleared the ashes out of the, out of the, the uh, candlesticks. You need to put on more fuel. Where's the fuel come from? Well, how about this? Moses said that you should read the Word of God 24-7, 365. Joshua was told to meditate on the Word of God. So, if you want more fuel, you read you meditate. You even memorize. I'm up here throwing scriptures at you. I've memorized 30, 40 years ago. And I still memorize verses. Not as good as I used to be. But I still. You've got to memorize these verses because when you memorize, they enter into your spirit. You've got to eat the word of God. Jeremiah said, I, your words were found and I did eat them and they became the delight and the joy of my heart. Does, is the Bible a joy of your heart? Or are you rushing right through it just to read it to get it over with? I've done it both uh, both ways. What else should you do? You should hear it. What do you think church is all about? Why do you think you're over the other over the internet listening? Why do you think you're here today? You know why? Because you're here to hear it, hear the word of God. You're to study the word of God. Paul tells Timothy. Study, show yourself approved unto God. This is how you keep the fire. You put on more fuel. Study, show yourself approved unto God. As a workman who needs not to be ashamed, and it handles accurately the word of truth. And Peter tells us to grow in, in grace and in knowledge of Jesus Christ. You're supposed to learn of Jesus. That's how you put on more fuel. You're to live the scriptures according to Colossians chapter 1. You aren't supposed to just read it and go your way. Instruction minus application equals frustration. So if you don't apply what you read, you'll just continue in your frustrated life. You have to apply it. And then, the best of all, you must fall back in love with our Savior Jesus Christ. You must fall back in love with your Savior Jesus Christ. That's what it's all about, loving him with all of your heart, with all of your mind, with all of your soul, and with all of your strength. But the choice is yours. I pray for those over the Internet now, or those that are going to listen down the road. Get on your knees, repent, confess your sins, and be born again. Then there's other commands as we go on. Tell, tell other people. Tell other people. Confess before men. 
if Jesus is your Lord. God's calling you. You've been drafted. Every human being, the Lord is trying to draft into his army, but you have a choice. You can accept it or reject it. Some soldiers have erred or walked away from it. They just don't go to church anymore. Somebody said something in their church that they didn't like, so they just leave the church. You know what? The pastor cannot control what one person says to another. It's up to you to be careful to use your words because the word of the, your words cut like a knife. Words are powerful. Do you realize that God created the entire universe with his word? You create with your word. Not the condo on the French Riviera, but you create. If you tell your son he's no good, guess what? You just created a fear in him that he's no good. You're supposed to love him. So, here it is. Take heed that your fire that's in your own heart for the tendencies to go out unless you keep the draft open, clear out the ashes, and put on more, more fuel. And that's what, you know what? Salvation Army still is alive and well from what I see. I used to do sign work for them in Pittsburgh. Uh, their, their rescue uh, wagons that brought food to people. The best solution to doing your about face is to make sure you stay inside the perimeters of God. God has a perimeter. He sends you out on a rescue mission once in a while, maybe a missions trip, you know, but, you know, he wants you to stay within in the barbed wire of the kingdom of God, protected like a shepherd would protect his sheep at nighttime inside the sheep pen. Stay within the perimeter. That means that each one of us uh, who are tempted when we're drawn away by our own lusts and desire has enticed us, and then a lust gives birth to sin, and sin brings forth death when it's full grown. You got to watch it. Sin just keeps on getting worse and worse. The lust ended up with sin and then before you know it the sin leads to death it's a downward progression lust sin death the lsd of your soul and you are on a bad trip buddy i've taken lsd it's not fun i'm going to tell you right now you continue to lust you continue to to sin and death is going to be hoovering over you because the devil wants you dead. The devil has two plans. Number one is to keep you from finding Jesus as your Savior. That's strategy number one. Strategy number two is he tries to stop you from becoming the man, the woman, the bride of Christ that you're supposed to be. By keeping you in sin. We're all sinners. But some of us flaunt our sin. And that isn't the way God wants it. You got to get back into the stronghold of God's soldier. 
saint of the Most High God. Remember, I mentioned last week that when the disciples were in the boat, they were in the middle of the Sea of Galilee, which is about seven and a half to eight miles wide at where they crossed. They were in the middle of the sea, and a storm came up. And Jesus prayed on the other side. He wasn't in the boat. And in the middle of the storm, these fishermen who knew the waters go to a carpenter and when because he's in the he's in the boat i can see in the boat with them at that place or is he on the water walking in but here it is i think they invited jesus into the boat in this section let me read it for you so when they rode about three or four miles halfway out they saw jesus walking on the sea and drawing near the boat and they were afraid but he said to them do not be afraid or fear not then they willingly received him into the boat and listen the next little line and immediately the boat was on land where they were going. You invite Jesus in the boat, and you'll be back on dry land where solid footing is again. And God will lift you up out of the miry pit and put your foot upon a solid rock. But you have to do your about face. Repent. And change. The war of all ages is still raging no matter what you think is going on. But you're too wrapped up and entangled in this world that you don't see the spiritual fight going on. Daniel chapter 7 is a spiritual chapter. Read it. You'll see the war of all ages. You'll see the ancient of days. You'll see the devil boasting against God. You'll see the Son of Man come. You'll see the judge pronounce the judgment against the devil. And he says, I rule in favor of the saints, and it's time for the saints to possess the kingdom. And we, the church of Christ right now, need to possess the kingdom, and it's only going to happen if you repent. That's step number one. I love the words of Keith Green's song. You, you've probably heard it. I've, I've quoted it many times or read it in his church. Here's what it says. Do you see? Do you see all the people sinking down? Don't you care? Don't you care that they're going to drown? But he, you, but, but he, but the Lord, but you, you say, bless me, Lord. Bless me, Lord. And that's all I ever hear. You don't ever ache. You never hurt. You don't even shed one tear. But good Jesus cries. He weeps. He bleeds. And he cares for your needs. And you just keep back, lay back and keep soaking it in. Just don't soak it in on Sunday morning church or Wednesday night or whatever weekday you meet. Apply it. Soak it in. Just soak it in. You just get fat instead of putting it out. Oh, can't you see it's such sin? Because he brings people to your door, but you keep turning them away as you smile and say, God bless you. Be at peace. And all of heaven is just weeping. Because Jesus came to your door. And you left him out in the street. You know, this week I was down here praying, sitting in the front row. I'm praying. I, I said to the Lord, I would really love to see you, Lord. But you told uh, Philip or Thomas, blessed is he who has not seen and yet believes. So I don't want to see you. It would be nice to see an angel once in a while, though, <laughs> you know. So a few minutes later, a guy pops his head in the door. He says, 
anybody here? And I'm up front praying. I, I waved up and I went to the back. And he says, I just wanted to encourage you, brother. He said, I'm a believer just like you. And he says, I'm here to encourage you that, you know, the world's going wacky fast. And we, we talked a little bit. Yeah, he didn't have a mask on. I put a mask on because I didn't know where he was from and uh, or what he did. He turned around. He walked out the door, and the whole back end of his pants were tore out. And I knew it was a homeless person. But God blessed me with that. God blessed me with that. He heard my prayer, and I know he hears my prayer. And he sent uh, a street person to encourage me. And that street person knows Jesus, just like President Trump has believers around him, had believers around him when he was in office. You got God's people from the streets to the highest kingdom preaching the gospel. Open up, church. Open up. Give yourself away. You see the need. You hear the cries. So why are we delaying? God's calling. You're the one. But like Jonah, you run. You know what happened to Jonah when he ran? He got swallowed by a whale. And he was in the gastral stomach of that whale for three days and three nights, just like Jesus was in the heart of the earth. That's a Bible story. No, it's a Bible truth because Jesus acknowledged it. And he says, as Jonah was in the belly of the whale three days and three nights, so shall the Son of Man be in the heart of the earth. And then he was risen. And Jonah was spit out by the whale with all his, 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 he was in the stomach of a whale for 30 de- three days. He had to be as white as a ghost. This scale, this whale goes up to the beach, spits Jonah out, and the first thing he says is, repent. John the Baptist turns on the scene, guess what he said? Repent. Jesus began his ministry. Guess what the word was when he, their first word out of his ministry? Repent. You know what Jeremiah did, Isaiah? Repent. The church don't want to repent anymore. Too comfortable. I'm a Vietnam vet. I almost got killed about three, four times in Vietnam because I got complacent. I laid down my M16. I always had my bayonet on me, but I always laid down my three M16 and did stupid things and about got myself killed three times because I was complacent. I'll tell you what, if you're a complacent Christian, you're on shaky ground. The devil can take you out, and you will be ineffective for the work of the Lord. Can't you see this is such sin? The world is sleeping in the dark that the church just can't fight because it's asleep in the light. We're sleeping in the light. It's time to wake up. Revival has been here. You don't have to pray for a revival. Revival has been here. God has wanted it from the beginning of time. It's here. It begins with you. It begins with me. And it begins with repentance. Not flaunting your sin that you're a same-sex orientated person or you're a drunk or an alcoholic or you're a pervert. Or you're a drug addict. No. No, you don't flaunt your sin. You give it to the Lord and you lay it at the foot of the cross and He breaks those chains for you that we sang about today. You're asleep in the light. How can you be so dead, church, when you've been so well fed, says Keith Green in his song. 
You've been so well taken care of, and you're dead. You're, you're dead, even though you're well fed with the Scriptures. You know the Scriptures, but you don't open your mouth. I challenge everybody all the time. I said, instead of saying, God bless you when somebody sneezes, say, God bless you in Jesus' name, and then see what they do. Because you just identified who God is. How can you be so numb, church, that you don't care where, if they come? These people are lost out there. You're saved, thank God. But they're lost out there. We got missionaries out there that, that are struggling for, report, for, for support right now. They have vision, they lack provision. It's time to give yourself away. They gave their life up to go preach the gospel in a foreign land that where God called them, and they may not even like those people like Jonah didn't like the Ninevites. Listen, we've been so well fed. Why don't we go out there and win them over? Don't you realize that these people are in hell forever? My dad would have been in hell forever if I didn't, if I didn't preach to him. My mother would be there, but they're in heaven now. We have people who walked in this door since we've been here, like Linda Cassicelli, who was a Roman Catholic from Long Island, New York. She walked in the door, got saved the first time she was here. She says, this isn't like the Catholic Church. And she got saved, and she was with us for about five years, and the Lord took her home a few months, months ago. She's in her 60s. Then there was Ray. Oliveri, a 92-year-old man, walked in the door. He had a big dog with him. He says to me, can I bring my dog in? I'm there like, what's the church going to think? I said, yeah, your soul's more important than that dog. He came in. He sat in the back, and I preached the gospel to him. He said, can I go up front and pray with my dog? I said, yes, you can. He goes up front. He comes back with tears rolling down his eyes. He said, I don't know what happened to me, but something happened to me. I said, well, you were just born again. 92 years old, church. We're not supposed to. I'm glad they come in the door, but we're supposed to be going out. That's why we support our brother Brett and Great Harvest Missions. Don't you care if they come? They're lost in their sins. They're dying. It could be your dad, your mother, your sister, your brother, your children. Your R&R is over. Your rest and relaxation, soldier of Christ. Rest and relaxation is over. It's time to work. It's time to go out there and do the work of ministry. Jesus rose from the dead, and you can't get out of bed? Especially with the COVID going on right now, you can't get out of bed. You're going to do church on TV, that's well, fine and dandy. But where's the exhortation and the encouragement you get off of the TV preachers? You don't get it. You only get it in the church. That's why the Lord says in Hebrews, let's not forsake the assembling of ourselves together, as is the habit of some. But encourage one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. I look at the United States government, and I see the day drawing near. I remember when one party was one party. Now it's, a, it's way out there in left field. My goodness. 
Where it happened to us, church? We lost our fire. Time to put on more fires. Time to read, study, meditate, memorize, eat, grow. And show yourself approved unto God. Your R&R is over. You've been on vacation too long, Christian Church in America. You've been on vacation too long. You're so well fed, you don't care about anybody else. How can you be so numb not to care if they come? How can we be that way? A lot of the churches invert. I'm trying to stop that at this church right now. I've been trying to stop it. It's nice to invert and have fellowships and stuff like that, but we're supposed to reach out. We just close our eyes, let somebody else do the job. A lot of us soldiers, not only are we asleep in the light, we're AWOL, asleep, uh, absent without leave. Absent without leave. God didn't dismiss you from your responsibility to go and make disciples of all nations, to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. God didn't dismiss that. He gave that charge to men. I could picture the angels in heaven right now. Jesus, you're God. You committed it to men. We'd be glad to go out there and preach the gospel. No? I gave it to a few men in Galilee, and they're going to win the world over. And here we are today in this world trying to win them over. But someday, if you read the book of Revelation, you'll see that there will be an angel flying through the course of the the great tribulation, and he's going to be, he has an eternal gospel to preach. That's exactly what Revelation says, this angel, maybe more than one angel, I didn't know, study it to see if it's cherubim or a cherub or a seraphim or a seraph. All I know is he has an eternal gospel to preach because God wants that last soul. How come we don't? Some of us have divided allegiance. A lot of the church have a divided allegiance. They love the world. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life. They're not from the Father. They're from the world. We have a divided uh, uh, allegiance. James tells us a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. Thy double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. The Greek word for for that is daisukos, double-minded. And it actually means double-souled. You have your one soul in the world, one soul in the kingdom, and James goes on to tell you, you will be tossed like the wind and the waves. You'll be unstable. He who doubts is like a wave of the sea, given and tossed by the wind. For let not this man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. For he is a double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways. That's why David, in Psalm 86, 11, he said this, Oh God, give me an undivided heart. You know why David was a great king? He had an undivided heart. 
You know why Josiah was a great king? He had an undivided heart. Joshua. He wasn't a double-minded man. He said, you choose for this day who you're going to serve, whether it be the Amorites, the Perizzites, the whateverites. But as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. How about you? I painted that on a mirror and gave it away to, I think, several people over the time because I'm a hand-painted, a professional hand-painted sign painter before the Lord grabbed me in the ministry. Choose for your day, for yourself today, world, who you're going to serve. You're going to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. You're going to serve this stinking world. Elijah, he was up at Mount Carmel. Carmel. And when the fire fell on Elijah's sacrifice, but not on Baal's sacrifice, he looked at the people of Israel and he said, why are you divided between two opinions? If God be God, serve him. If Baal be God, serve him. You have two opinions. I'm going to tell you what, church. Jesus Christ is Lord. It doesn't matter what your opinion is. He said to repent and you will be saved. And that wasn't just him. It was all the prophets. John the Baptist. Repent. First stage. About face. Turn around. Go the other direction. These three men are probably the humblest, humblest and meekest and most respected saints in the Bible. I always loved Joshua. Always loved Joshua. Here's what the Lord says in 1 Samuel chapter 2. Those who honor me, I will honor. Those who despise me will be lightly esteemed. Where are you at today? Are you being lightly esteemed by the Lord? Or do you love the Lord and He's honoring you? I have... I'm going to close it here because we're already done and I didn't even get to the chapter 2. But you know what? There's fire in this. At the end of my chapter here in chapter 1, I have a place that says signature and a date. I didn't, the book is certainly isn't printed yet. It's almost done. But I'll tell you what, take a piece of paper out over all you there. And if you were convicted by this message, the Holy Spirit comes to convict convict the world concerning sin and concerning righteousness and concerning judgments. So if you've been convicted by the Holy Spirit for sin, it's time for you to repent. It's time to take a piece of paper out, sign your name to it, say, this day I repented of my sin and received Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And you sign it with your signature and you date it. Today is February 14th, Valentine's Day, 2021. And you put it in your Bible. Make copies and put it in all your Bibles. Make a copy, put it in your pocket and in your wallet.
and you will be saved because you repented. And don't try to change the word of repentance. Repentance means turn around, go the other direction, don't sin anymore. Next week, we're going to see the basic training, discipleship, a yielded life, what God expects for, uh, for believers to have a yielded life. And we're going to study some of the weapons of our warfare. Listen, politicians fight with words, fancy words and speeches. A warrior fights with guns and swords, but a believer fights with this, the Word of God, 31,109 verses, and you can use any one of them to attack the enemy and live for Jesus. That's what Jesus said in the desert. It is written, shield of faith. Latched out with the sword of the Spirit accurately, and he said, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. He had the shield of faith, the sword of the Spirit, and that's what the church needs to do. So we're going to be on a yielded life, teaching you how to use the, the weapons of your warfare, which are not carnal, they're mighty through God. Let me close in prayer, and, I, and then we'll, um, and I hope that, if you receive Jesus as your Savior and you repented, please email me, joe at freedomchurchpb for palmbeach.org. Joe at freedomchurchpb.org. We're right in Lantana, Florida. Or you can even send me a text, my cell phone, 561 601 1130. It's 561 601 1130. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray that this message is driven home to our hearts by the Holy Spirit of you, the living God. I pray that you fall like a rushing mighty wind on us today from what we've heard from your word. And I pray that Jesus Christ is high and lifted up and many people come back to the Lord Jesus Christ with all of their heart and are no longer tangled in this, in this world. And I pray for those that never met Jesus, Lord God, that they be on fire from this moment on. Let them be red hot for Jesus and let them take the gospel to the ends of the earth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. God bless you, church, and I love you all.